Hey, what's up, everybody? Dr. Tom Miller here. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Principal's Office Podcast. Uh, this episode, I, I, I'm going to bring you into our book study, uh, our uh, book study on the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And in each week of this study, I have been inviting in educators from across the country, other school leaders uh, who are also part of the Maxwell Leadership Enterprise uh, to, to just talk, talk shop talk education and see how these leadership principles are showing up in their in their organization. So uh, please join join me with this one as we talk about uh, the law of the big mo and the law of priorities with Brett Clark from Minnesota. Welcome to the Principal's Office Podcast, where we believe that the principal's job is the most interrupted job on the planet, and creating a clear and cohesive plan is the best way to improve your school. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Miller. I'm the founder of Leaders Building Leaders, and it's my goal each week to introduce you to new strategies and initiatives that are improving schools across the country. You're going to learn leadership principles that are going to help you accelerate your growth, build your teams and execute on those goals so you can exceed those expectations of the communities that you aim to serve. If you want to learn more about what we do, you can go to our website at lbleaders.com. But for right now, enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Well, welcome. I'm really excited uh, for our next session here, our 21 Laws Leaders Journey session. We've got a great special guest here uh, with us. And um, I think what I'm most excited about is, is that when we bring in other people from the outside, other people from the education world, especially, you know, I think when you're in your school, you always think like, oh, woe is me. I've got all these problems or whatever's happened or it's only my school. And then you go meet someone else and they're like, oh no, I got those too. And it's always great to meet educators from all over the country and the world, which I've been blessed to do. And I know I know our guest has too, uh, as as being part of the Maxwell Certification Leadership Program. And uh, and 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 so it's just always great to just talk to other educators and be like, oh yeah, we got this. And there's a lot of commonality, right? As we all know as great leaders, uh, uh, connection starts on common ground. And there's one thing that all educators have, right? Is, is shop. Like we, we totally understand. We totally understand each other's in between the four walls. We're like, oh yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, so uh, I hope everybody had an amazing uh, Thanksgiving holiday and, and uh, that they really, really took the time um, to, to connect and to, and to refresh and regroup and uh and 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 so thanks thanks so much i know these these next you know four weeks are always like a whirlwind when it comes to uh schools so no, no matter when you're listening to this uh it's still days after thanksgiving uh but those days in the holidays oh my gosh they just they just fly right so thanks if you're able to hop in live with us tonight uh or if you're just you know coming on a replay just thank you uh I, you know i i don't take it lightly uh when you join into our programs and that's why i try to bring great experts so let's so let's meet let's meet our our uh, guest uh brett clark who uh who is a fellow maxwell uh leader and uh i met uh brett i i put out a a message i said hey educators that are in the maxwell leadership there's like, you know, there's 45,000 overall, right? But educators, there's probably, you know, like a small, a small percentage of this, uh, you know, from education. I'm leading this great group of principals through the 21 laws of leadership. Who, who out there is willing to, uh, you know, hop in, uh, right? Each week, each week, we've had a great uh, special guest. Uh, we had, we've had, uh, we had Ted, uh, Ted Duncan was one. Um, and, and so, but now we've got from Minnesota. I love it, Brett. So, Brett, how are you tonight? Great. Good to be with you all. And uh, yeah, Minnesota. So again, I know all over, but certainly common ground. And I know the things that I face today, even just at work today, um, it's fun to get together with other people that can can relate. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm a, in a small school, um, 7 through 12 is my principal duties, but I'm actually um, the computer coordinator for K-12. Um, and so it's a K-12 building. So we really have it. We have a daycare. So 
it's a community school and and you see just from diaper diploma the custodian told me when i first showed up 19 years ago <laughs> so you, you really do get um you know a full range of experiences from diaper uh, hold on from diaper to diploma i love that yeah I, I, yeah I love it and you know wait maybe on some days you're not even sure what age that diaper is right it's just uh, exactly oh my gosh like who exactly i love that yeah so, and so I, my kids got to go to school with me and so it really it's been it's been a family family education environment so yeah oh that's fantastic how like now how old are your kids I have my young, I have four kids. The youngest is in fourth grade and I've got one, a sophomore in college. So we've got them spread out. Oh, wow. Eighth grader and a sophomore. So yeah, well, it's interesting. You'll have to mentor me a little. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the executive director of our school and uh, both of my kids are there. Right. So it's always, it's always interesting. There is a principle in between. And so, you know, I'm very fortunate that if something does happen, I'm like, oh, it's out of my hands. Let's say <laughs> yep. you guys, you, you guys are the principals. You guys have to have to you know handle those uh challenges but it is fun right like i love being able to see them every day right and to hear good things about them and that's i i, I think that's always what we always want right i mean we haven't touched the law of legacy yet that's the 21st law of leadership i've read it about you know, you know but that's what we hope right we hope that right we're leaving our legacy in uh, people and and the people we see the most are our sons and daughters, right? So, so awesome. So Minnesota. So I've been there one time so far, I'm going to go back in June. So maybe we can hook up. There's a charter school Absolutely. conference out there, but I got there one time and I flew in because I was actually going to Wisconsin. I was running in an ultra marathon, but we flew in and we hit the mall. So we had to do the mall and I had to explain to my wife. Now, maybe you've been there. I'm sure you know that yeah. that used to be the original Minnesota Twins baseball stadium. And I showed her where home plate was. I showed her where Kilbrew like hit that massive home. It's so cool how in the middle of the mall, if you've been there, everybody, yep. there's, uh, there's a home plate. Yeah, very much. That's about two hours from my house. So, yeah, we've been there and um, yeah. I, I go there as infrequently as I can. I'd rather go to the actual sporting event, but my, my family, <laughs> my wife and two daughters make sure we go to the mall. So yeah, it was too funny. And there's like a big, like roller coaster. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an yeah. interesting place, right? It's an interesting place. Well, roller coaster, well, you bring that up. So that's, that's, you know, that kind of rolls into our first law that we're talking about tonight, the law of the big Mo. And, and I just, I, I just, you know, I was listening to, you know, John talk about, and I wrote it down and he said, he said about, he said about, you know, problems, right? He said, he said that the, um, you know, people think they have, uh, you know, uh, you know, large problems, but the problem is really, the large problem is only determined by whether or not you have momentum or not. And I was like, oh, wow, that's just so, it's such a, such an important concept to understand that, that, you know, that, you know, you're not as good as you think you are. And you're not as bad as you think you are. <laughs> Momentum is really that, that you know, piece. And it got me thinking about if you're a college football fan, I mean, Coach Prime, like, I mean, this guy came in with all the, you know, the swagger and the attitude. And he said, we're going to come in and shock the world. And, the, you know, they're like, okay, whatever. He said, I'm telling you, we're going to do it. You got to believe, you got to believe, you got to believe. They go in, they go to TCU, they beat TCU, who was in the championship game last year, and everybody's like, oh my gosh, this guy has changed what college football, and here he is, and then he won a couple games in a row, right, and then reality kind of came in, and they they lost a few, and then the moment, I think they've lost like seven straight, or almost like six out of seven, oh, something yeah. to that effect, but I was like, oh, there's a perfect example of momentum, right, wasn't as good as as we thought, right? But they're not as bad either because they had won and they've already won four more games this year than last year. But if you're in a sports world, like that's just an easy example of how you can ride the 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 wave of momentum, but it takes personality, it takes something to build momentum. So I would love to to just you know hear from your side, Brett, and and anybody who's you know uh, you know with us, you know, feel free to chat the drop a question or a thought like a, what was a powerful passage but talk about the law of momentum what you see in your in your small community school you talked about that goes from from diaper to uh diploma which by the way i hope that guy trademarked that tagline uh, that's fantastic <laughs> so yeah and I, I i i've never done one of these these 
groups like this without learning more than I've than I contribute probably. But when I when I think about the law of momentum, I in I've been in my current position for like this is my 19th year, you know. So I, I look back over that time and there's been several times, like you said, you're never as good as you are, you're never as bad as you are. There's lots of times where I can think of times where I thought I, I can't do this another two weeks. Like you're on the bottom of that curve and like there's no way. And then that perspective of well, how bad is it? Like it's not bad, you know, worse than, you know, to to be able to put that in perspective and then maybe a little stubbornness. Like I always want to go towards something and not away from something. And that stopped me from making a change. Um, but the same is true on the other side of that coin where when things seem like it's all going well, you know, like you said, it's it's an exaggerator, as John says in that video too. It just, it, it amplifies that. So I think it's just great to have this perspective that, you know, when you're true to your character and values and like you're the same person every day and hopefully you let other people see what's inside. And some days we're at our best and that happens. And some days we're at not at our best and it doesn't. But I think that perspective is powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And I had a great, you know, I, I still have, you know, I got my mentors, I got my coaches and I'm going through heavy transition. You know, our family moved and I took on this new job and then I've, I still run, you know, I still run the business on the side and there's been some changes and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's, it's just a mess. And my mentor said, you're fine. It's not as bad as you think it, nor is it as good as you, you also uh, believe you're, you know, you're fine. Right. He's always, he's, he said, it seems childish, but when things feel like they're steering out of control, the leader's job is always to identify reality. What's the actual reality around all of this, right? And and the reality is you're fine. And so, but what momentum does, right, is, is helps you take that next step. And I think this is one of my greatest uh, strengths in leadership is, is, is just, just to get things moving. Right. So what does that John say? He gives that, you know, description about the train, right? The, the, you know, the, the locomotive can bust through a wall going 55 miles an hour, but it can also, if you just put a brick in front of the wheel and it's not moving, it won't move. It'll just stay, you know, stable. And, and what I've just always been able to do, and I don't know what it is, just, you know, overcoming or I'm okay to fail forward is just go like, what's, like, what's the next step, everybody? And that's what my mentor was really like talking to me. He said, look, Tom, remember, you don't need to know how to get the train up to 55 miles an hour, but you do need to know how to move the brick. Can you just move the brick, right? Can you just, can you just take that next step, whatever that step is? And that's what, you know, uh, Mark says. He says, to, be, to, to make momentum, you have to be the first to move, right? You can't be afraid to move. You have to ask other people to come with you, make the experience enjoyable, and experience the win together. So, from from your, I mean, you're in your K twelve, your technology. I mean, like, you know, I'm going to say people really rely on you uh, because they just feel like, oh my gosh, the internet's out. What are we What are we going to yep. do, right? <laughs> so, what right. are some ways that you just say, it's okay. Like, we're just going to take this step and get it going again. Yeah. Well, and, and you and you mentioned some of those same things, but the ages my kids are and however many Disney movies I've watched in the past 10 years, like I, I, I always think of the, I think it was Frozen 2, you know, do the next right thing, you know, because it seems overwhelming. And I think, um, you know, it, it, education, it doesn't matter if, if you are the custodian who said diaper diploma or if you are the bus driver or if you're the administrator, like it, it can be overwhelming. It can make you feel like, how can anybody do this? But that next moment when you do the next right thing, you change your life. And in an instant, you know why you're there. Yeah. And it's the, and it may be education, it may be reading, or it might be the person that gets the person help when they don't have their parent with them, or they don't have, they don't know how to make the next right thing. You're that bridge. And I think you, you, you move the brick, just like you said, so that you're in the game so you can do the next right thing. And then that's where momentum comes from. That it's a snowball running down the hill to use another frozen example right so it's yeah. um maybe that's the minnesota my representation here to use snow I but I, I i think that that really is what you know like said moving the brick and and doing the next right thing is is all about 
Yeah. And action creates clarity, right? I mean, if you don't move, you're really not sure. So even if you're moving in the wrong direction and then you realize, oh, this is the wrong turn, right. then at least you can do something. But if you're just standing still, if you've got no momentum, right? All these walls, like you're not even sure. Like, I don't know. I don't even know. Right. And I, and I do think that just that posture of there's an answer, we'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. Um, and I say that sometimes not knowing what the answer is yet, but I know there's an answer there. And when people come in and they're in crisis or they're overwhelmed, it's like, there's an answer. We'll figure it out. And, yeah. and it may not be me that gets the answer, but we'll go find someone that does. And I think as I've matured in my leadership, when I first started out, I thought I had to have all the answers. And now I don't have that pressure anymore because I know I'm with a bunch of people that are smarter than me, hopefully. Um, and, that, and that's my goal is to is to is to to use their knowledge and resources and let's just go figure it out. Let's just yeah. think it through. I love yeah. it. So we got you know one of our members with us, Rachel Kennedy. She's part of our um, inner circle, and she's she's a great principal at the Community Public Charter. Now they just created a whole bunch of momentum because they just moved into a brand new facility, and I got to see it. And it was I was there on a Saturday for a retreat, and there was like you know people working and mopping and sanding and doing whatever else, right? It's just just keep it. I just just keep it going, guys. Just keep it going. Just keep it going. So Rachel, what are some of your takeaways on 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 the law of the big mo? Yeah, well, um, well, those are some of our big momentums that I can see that we've been working on. But one thing that I think I always get stuck on is when we think about like we have to have the vision. I think sometimes we get stuck with the big vision, the vision, the overall visions and not the little visions. Like, for example, we're having um, one of the things we're having to work through is who comes in the office when. And teachers can't just sit around in the office because our secretaries have jobs and our but they're all so excited. They just want to sit in there because it's so cool and they've not been in there. So we're going through this transition of, you know, what does it look like to have an office space and be respectful of the people that work there? That's a small vision, but it's a vision that we we have to see to keep the momentum going or else we're going to lose it quickly because that's where the culture building and the, you know, that's where they're having conversations and they're building relationships. So kind of working through even just finding a vision to say, okay, the workroom's a great place for this. They can still build the relationship, keep the momentum because, um, you know, I think we think big vision, we just got the building, we're doing this, we're growing a big school, but the little visions that impacts the momentum of the big. So. Yeah, no, it's a, th those are great points, Rachel, because, you know, I'm in, I just passed my hundredth day in office, right. In a sense. And I was like, okay, like, the momentum and the newness is gone. Now Tom's got to actually do something, <laughs> right? And so just same thing in a big building. Okay, like, all right, the shiny newness, but you know, this uh, bathroom still doesn't work or I still don't have heat down here or like the little things start to creep in and all of a sudden everything starts to slow down, right? Because, you know, people don't have that feel and it's that leader's job to constantly be in charge of that momentum of like, oh, we're good. We got it. Right. So that's why I always think about it. If you could just remove the barriers out of people's way, first of all, and be listening to what they're complaining about, because if you can fix those little things, right. You know, like the bigger issues aren't that bad, you know, so. Kind of like playing, you know, Mario Kart where here we go. Moving fast. <laughs> yeah. I go oh, 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 oh. So, right. but your, your envision stays the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, Carrie, how's it going? It was great. And I am so sorry. We we were just having our championship football game. And so I'm yes. running back and forth. And we just won. So I had to run out there and like. Oh, it's so great. Momentum. There you go. Against, the against the total rival. So it was awesome. <laughs> oh, see, now that's going to build some momentum. Now you need to, now you just take that information. You start to get some good social media out there. You start to do some recruiting. I mean, there's all sorts of things that you build off of that, right? Yes, good ideas. Yes, that's awesome. I, lo I love it. Yeah, yeah, the utilization. And so like when I think about this time of year in schools too, it's really it's really difficult. And and so like if you're part of our email, uh, you know, just kind of like our daily missions, I've been talking about, hey, every second counts. How do you make sure you keep the main thing the main thinker, right? Because we're about to hop into the law of priorities here. And so like, how do you, how do you make sure you keep momentum of the, of the great academics that you, that you spend all spring and summer planning, 
the new school year came, then you start to hit this minor lull and then you, like you have to keep it going. And then the holidays come and like, gosh, it seems like every day there's a party or something else is going. It's like, is anybody learning here? Right. So that's why I'm always like this. It's important for the leader to establish the momentum and the pace and to like really keep keep your thumb on the pulse. My you know, mentor, he was always really great about this. You, I don't think you ever met Paul uh, Martinelli, Brett. Did you ever get a chance yeah. to meet Paul? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he always used to talk about, even though there was, you know, 30,000 members at the time, but he's like, well, I got to keep my, I got to keep my thumb on the pulse of the tribe. Like I got to know, right? And so your job as a leader is to always be, you know, paying attention to like, are we gaining momentum? Or are we, is this a momentum maker or is this a momentum taker? Like you just got to be constantly aware of those, you know, uh, potential issues. And then when you have those mini mo momentum takers, how do you counteract that, right? How do you counteract that with some, you know, mini celebration, right? Or some, uh, you know, making positive, you know, out of, you know, making lemonade out of lemons. I mean, whatever, you know, however you want to say it. But that's, that's an important skill that a leader has got to do. So, you know, the last uh, question here says, where in your life do you feel like you need to boost momentum and, and what is one way you plan to create it in that area, you know? So maybe it's with your health or your wealth or your faith or your relationships or your personal, you know, I mean, whatever it may be, but you can find ways to create spark, you know? And the hard part is carrying it, you know, keep it going on a daily basis, right? But it takes, you know, it, it, it takes um, 16, it's a 16 to one ratio. So if you're just constantly like, hey, trying to build momentum for yourself like it may need like 16 times to just negate that other you know behavior so whether it's waking up early going to the gym um right it's you know it could be i just want to read every day and that's why um i love um atomic habits right and and he talks about just what is he, he calls them it's it's micro habits right just just micro micro changes so like, don't worry about doing 30 minutes of exercise. Just get your running shoes on. That's it. That's all you have to do today. Get your running shoes on, right? And the next day is maybe running shoes in five steps. I mean, whatever. So, but it's, that's all, those are all momentum creators. So in your school, you can do the same thing, right? In your team, you could do the same thing. It's what are the tiny micro steps that I can take on a daily basis? And I think, you know, most, most educators or most of principals now like, God, I got to get in the classrooms and observe, but right, because I'm so far behind. It's like, okay, you're far behind because you lost momentum and you didn't realize you lost momentum and now you got to gain it back, right? What's, what did I do to start this process? I was, I can't remember what, I was like, oh gosh. Oh, it was, I was really good at knocking out two strategic priorities per day. And I was like, how the heck was I doing that? I was like, oh, I block time in my calendar. It's called strategic work. It's there every day at 9 a.m., every day. But what I was doing before is I was actually putting items in that calendar to do. And I stopped doing it. And I was like, oh, that's what I stopped doing, which you know created the problem, right? So I lost momentum and I didn't have to create like this giant initiative. I was like, what worked before, right? So what I'm just trying to share is, if you've realized you've had momentum or if you've created momentum in your work or in your life at one time, go back and just think about what it was. What did I do before to create this momentum or what created this uh, momentum? And obviously re remove those momentum takers from out of the way. Yeah. Like, and yeah, go ahead. So when I hear that too, and I, I think I, I've heard it in other areas too, but you can't, like, you can't wander into momentum. Like what I what I just heard you say that too. You can wander out of it. You you, you didn't make an intentional effort to take it out of your calendar, um, but you did have to make an intentional effort to put it back in. You know, it's so like yeah. And, and if you didn't, that'd be called luck. And, and and it's great to be lucky, but that's not really a an effective strategy. Yeah. Um, to get to luck into momentum, I think it's an intentional effort every time. And I think that's you know, and we we all do that. I do that too. Like, how, why did I stop doing that? It was working. Right. Um, hadn't hadn't turned into a habit yet right i mean i mean ultimately what we want to do is make those mini those mini actions right into just normal behavior but you have right. to do it enough times right to really really uh, be able to do that it's the same with 
you know, building momentum. I mean, there's, there's, you know, people on your team, like if you've taken the working genius, I can't remember, Brett, if you, if you've ever done that through. Uh, I'm Pat familiar Pat. with it. I haven't taken it. No. Yeah. So there's, there's one particular uh, skill set. It's called the, it's called the galvanizer, right? And they're just really good. Like they just know, they just know like, oh, this is the time. This is when we move. Right. Versus me. I'm like, well, every time's okay to move. Let's just go. Right. I'm just like, let's just, let's just knock the wall down. It'll create enough, uh, you know, pieces, but they're really good. You know, the sermon and the galvanizers is that middle of the working genius. And they're not, they're not my strengths. They're my middle pieces, but like you need those, uh, those uh, people to be able to do it. Right. So if you've taken a disc personality profile with us, learning who the, you know, the eye styles are, they're just, they're just, the influencers are just good. Like, like they bring energy. So sometimes the room needs energy, right? Who is it, right? You all know that you've been to a party that's been boring and then someone comes in and you're like, yeah, right? It was, if you watch Friends, it was fun, uh, fun Bobby, right? I mean, fun Bobby would come in and he would just create the chain. So there are, you know, people that can create momentum. There's, there's actions that can create momentum. There's celebrations like winning football champ. All these things are momentum makers, but you have to be able as the leader identify it and 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 how do you heighten the wave in a sense yeah good well make sure you write down one action step what's one action step you're going to take you're going to apply uh based upon the law of momentum right what's one thing you could start to do to start to build momentum write that down And I know for me, it's going to be exactly what we're, uh, we're about to talk about now, which is law of priorities. I got to get back to that because I haven't been I haven't been productive at the right times. I've been very active, which, by the way, is maybe the most powerful passage in the law of priorities. You know, basically saying that activity does not necessarily mean accomplishment. And, oh, I mean, that just slaps me. And I got this nice, you know. Uh, scar here which is not from hockey which it would be cool if it was from hockey but it's not but that's been you know being hit by the two by four not listening and being guided by the feather because of this law this law of priorities catches me so much um and uh, you know, leaders understand that activity is not necessary accomplishment and i just love when john teaches on the Pareto principle this 2080 you know principle you know 80 20 whichever way you want to do it doesn't matter and he said, it's not how hard you work, it's how smart you work. Unless you ask my 10-year-old son, Matthew, he said, Dad, no, it's work harder, not smarter. I mean, that's, that's what he says all the, all the time. Uh, but, I, but I'd love, Brett, why don't you take it first? Like, what are, what are some of your biggest uh, takeaways or like your powerful learnings from this, from this very, very important law of leadership? Well, when I think about priorities, too, I, and I think I've, I, I use this all the time, too, and I, I, just a few of the things you've said already, I think I've used today in my office, but um, the feather and the two by four. Um, and there's no reasons or excuses, only priorities. Like we do the things that, that we feel are most important. Um, and everybody's got the same amount of time every single day. But and, and again, some days I consider myself an effective person, some days less so. But in the end, we get things done that we put a priority on today. And so... Um, I know in, in my building, it, it and I'll, I'll, I'll just say this too, it's, it's hard when priorities that you hold dear conflict with one another, it tears at us a little bit. I can think of about two weeks ago, I had a crisis with a student and, uh, because my kids are in the same building with me, I'm handling it. And it was something that was time sensitive and, and, and a big deal. And I walked out of my office and my daughter was coming to find me and tell me she didn't feel very good. And I would tell you that my family is my number one priority. Um, but in that moment, I had to say the sick room is right over there. Go sit down. She's a 10 year, you know, at that time, nine years old. I'll get to you later. And it's hard because these priorities that, that, and like it was, it was my priority was right in my path, literally and figuratively. And when those, when those priorities conflict, obviously I followed up and my daughter was fine and safe, but um, it, it's, it's not as easy as you'd think. It's always easier to have your some of those priorities defined ahead of time, but um, they do conflict. But I do think at the end of the day, what you value most gets done the most frequently. So yeah, this is a very 
very, uh, and not only timely, but I think just something we continually have to redress and re readdress and revisit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially now, right? I mean, there's only so many holidays you get with your families, right? Right. And it is important. I mean, you know, every day, you know, can be that holiday. I've got a, um, you know, just a quick lesson on the uh, 80-20 principle. And, and so let me see if I can get this better. So let's, let's just talk, you know, through this, Brett, as we learned us, you know, from John, right? So what he says is that 20% of your activities will give you 80% of your results, right? So like, just really thinking about that, you're like, well, 20%, it seems like nothing. Like I'm so busy all day. He's like, yeah, that's right. If you have 10 things on your list, either whether 10 things to do or 10 uh, people that you're responsible for, or I mean, whatever it may be, two of those are actually going to give you 80% of your return, right? So that's why he says, even like when it comes down to people, he says, you know, most of us spend 80% of our time with our bottom 20%. He's like, no, flip it. If you spend 80% of your time with your top 20% of your people, just think of the return because they're going to be able to do more and achieve more. And same things, if you spend your 80% of your time on the top two things that you should be doing as a leader, it's going to just create significant impact. But what happens is we spend 80% of our time on those bottom 20% activities, right? And we feel active, but we don't always feel accomplished, right? Because we don't always have it on the right thing. So same thing with your daughter. It's like, you know, yeah, I mean, my responsibility was at bottom, but I'm sure I eroded a little bit, right, of that because I didn't give it exactly to her exactly when, you know, she needed it. But you're a great dad, so I'm sure you had that conversation with her and you probably didn't do it a second time, right? But it is always hard, right? I love you. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, uh, principal dad and uh, go wait there. I'll be right back with you, right? I love it. Yeah, so, right. When you all look at this uh, this um, uh, visual here, like what like what do you start to think about when when you like I'm like you're like gosh how am I spending eighty percent of my day right now? I know where I spend. It's like in zooms, zooms, and listen to other people talk half the time. It seems like. What are your thoughts, Rachel? I see you nodding your head there. Go ahead. Well, I'm just, I'm thinking right now, I feel like I'm spending 80% of my day in my office and I'm never alone. Mm. I'm with someone different, probably every 10 or 15 minutes. So when I think of what are, what, what were my, act like just today, what were my activities to think of how, what is 20% of my activities? Did I do any one thing to completion? I don't even know. I don't even know. So that's where I was like, yeah, you know, I don't even know how many activities I did because I wasn't purposeful with my day because my door was a revolving door and I never got out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, listen, it's, it's the current result, but it might not be, be the result you want. Right. So it's okay. Right. But I, but I may not want to stay there and that's what we have to do. We have to fight our way out of it. And I think what John, you know, I mean, he only talked for like four or five minutes and, but what he's, you know, what he's saying is like, so every day, what's something I did today that either I don't need to do tomorrow, or I can teach someone how to do it. I can start to teach them how to do it. And that's, that was the hardest thing for me is that, you know, what did I do today that, cause that, cause that's the question he asked at the end, right? He says, is what I'm doing right now, giving me the greatest return of my time, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, for most of us, like, well, of course, I have to do this. I'm in charge, right? It's like, okay, how about for a week straight? Do you have to do it every day for a week? Or could you start to just slowly teach someone else to do this? Or just don't do it at all. Now, you have to address the sick kid in the hallway, right? Right, And especially if it's your daughter, uh, because you have to do that, right? But, you know, so, but there's, but all I have to do is make sure that they get to the right place. That's really all I'm really responsible but what sometimes happens is we do everything right we go in there we go into the sick bay we find their medicine right or we, then we got to call their moms and all these pieces of like you know we don't have to do all these things those are all choices yeah all choices I, yeah. I think they have each each of those choices has a small reward so 
when thinking of what gives the greatest return first and then the reward, I think helps um, prioritize the priority <laughs> when you're in the moment of, okay, all right, well, what's the return out of this? Who can do it? What's the reward? Cause I like my heart will go out. If that teacher walks in the door, it doesn't matter what's going on or what's, I'm going to listen. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, <laughs> another teacher walks in. So it's, it's, yeah. um, sure. you know, it's the short-term reward, but is it really reaching the getting the return that you need to keep the momentum. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your people are important, right? But something to be thinking about, and I want you to, you know, chime in here, Brett, with me, is that, um, and Carrie, uh, if if your office is a revolving door, it's a symptom of some other bigger problem. And what I tend to find the bigger problem is I'm in my office, so they know where to find me. Right. Yeah. Instead of really being out there every day and making sure I'm like, that's why I'm like, okay, three, four times a day, I got to walk through the whole building. I've got to check in with everybody, make eye contact, give thumbs up, kudos where I need, fist bump a kid or two. Right. And then, you know, listen. And then, then I can go back and handle some of those pieces, right. That may have to happen. But if I'm not being seen on a daily basis, they're going to come find me. For sure. So about that at the other campus, but it's because they were so far away. You know, you you, you had 12 buildings. So oh, yeah. Yeah. Now like, yeah, now you're right there. That's right. <laughs> What's your thought on that, Brett? I know as the tech guy, like you, you, you know, I I mean tech, tech, you know, people in the organization, it's like they can get sucked into the vortex so much. And some of your stuff needs a lot of tedious time and attention. What are some strategies you use to make sure that you're you know, uh, you know, uh, staying within your priorities on a daily basis. Yeah, and it, it is important, and and, and that, I, that by itself is one of the things we wrestle with because when we when we put things at a lower priority in our minds, sometimes we feel guilty about it being less important. Hmm. It's all important, but what what is critical for us to do? What can we pass on? At the end of the day, it's not all going to get done. What things that that eighty percent. If it doesn't get done, no one's not going to be able to come to work tomorrow and get their stuff. Like it's the 20% is the high impact. It affects the whole building. It affects, I mean, if I don't get the 20% done, then then something's not going to work right tomorrow. And so I think from, from technology, and it's easy to fall in that, that trap is, hey, I just spent the last three hours doing something that I could have done after hours when nobody was here, or I could have done it you know, in July, like, why did, why do I, why am I doing it now? Like just to maximize the time you're doing it too. Um, is, is part of the things that I've wrestled with. And I think that by itself and, and being willing to revisit it, because again, it's kind of the momentum thing. It, it creeps in. It doesn't present itself with a bang. And then so you have to purposely look at it each day. And when that happens, make sure it doesn't happen tomorrow. Um, that, that 20% is, and I, I, love, I love thinking about this and looking at it because it's really even those things we don't necessarily think, you know, 80, 20, which, which category does it fall into? It's just true. Like eight, most of our results do come from 20%. Um, when you talk about your clothes, especially for me, it's probably like 10%, but like <laughs> I, I probably could get rid of 80% of my clothes and I'd be fine except yeah. for maybe like one day a year. Um, but we, that 80, 20%, it's just true. And so yeah. once you accept that, it's easier to look at your whole day and schedule it in. So yeah, Whatever. absolutely. Yeah, it's whatever socks are on the top, right? I'm like, oh, I, th- I think right? I, as long as I didn't wear them yesterday, I guess I'm okay. I mean, yeah. I'm sure, it's easy, easier for us, but I do think the 80-20, it, it, yeah. it so really what, does help put in perspective. So what I hear you sharing, you know, Brett, is this, is this, uh, you know, is the principle of the three R's, right? And so the first R is what must I do that nobody can or should do for me, right? These are the things that are truly required. Now you're responsible for everything as a leader, but if something you're doing can be done at an 80% level of, you know, someone else, it's just, just let someone else do it Uh, at, at, you know, a minimum, if they can get it to that 80% mark, then you only need to spend 20% of time, you know, taking it over top, right. Or maybe making a, uh, you know, a correction here or there. So I, I just, you know, just because you can do it, it doesn't mean that you should do it. 
right? So I, I hear exactly what you're saying, Rachel. Like, I love that, right? But you could always get the person where they need to be. You can make sure that they get their help, right? And then you can go do your thing. And then you can go check on that student later, you know, give them a giant hug, right? And they're still going to get that same reward and heart feel. But you're right. If you're a caring uh, uh, you know, person who who like wants to make sure that all those pieces are met. Yeah, of course you're going to spend that extra time, and you can spend that extra time on the front end, right? And now you've built that rapport with that you know person. So now you don't necessarily maybe need to spend all the time, right? The next time, right? But maybe that first time or second time with those with those teachers too. I hear what you're saying. It's like I'm going to listen to them now, and that's going to help me build credibility and connection. Because the next time that they uh, come in, I can just, you know, maybe in two or three minutes say, hey, you look like you have something really important to say to me. I've only got about four minutes. So is this a short thing, or do you want to schedule time later? And they may say, let's just schedule time later, right? Odds are they're going to forget. But either way, you've addressed them, right? But you're also up front with them about, about you know, how much time you truly have. Uh, because, you know, there's there's only so many hours we have in the school day that that we're in front of our people, right? If you if you start at 7.30 and you're done at three, I mean, you know, by my math, that's seven and a half hours, right? Seven, yeah, seven and a half hours times five. Uh, it's, you know, 35, 37 and a half hours. There's only 37 and a half hours per week where you're actually with the people you serve. So how are you spending that time, right? And that's and that's the second R, is that you know even though everything's your your responsibility and not required to do it, but the second R is return. This is what the organization gets the best return at it when you do it, when you do it. And this is this is hard for a lot of us because honestly, uh, we can do everything, right? I mean, when you think about. We know we could do every job, right? We might not do it very well, but we could pretty much do every job. I don't think I could do Brett's job. I could unplug things and I could plug them back in. And that's that's called a hard boot, by the way, in the tech field. And you get a lot of money. You could get paid a lot of money by knowing that just, just unplug and plug it back in and odds are it's going to fix itself, right, Brett? So it does know. a lot of times. <laughs> the first tech guy that I had, he told me that. And I go, a hard boot, okay, how do I do it? He goes, just unplug it. I go, are you serious? Like I pay you like $80,000 a year. And that's, he goes, Hey, but I knew how to do it. I go, touche. Like you were the person that I, that I required. Right. So the first R is required. Like what's really required of me to do. And the second R is what gets the greatest return at it when I do. It. And I heard uh, Brett say, like, you know, I could spend three or four hours after school or on a day where no one's here. And I'm going to get a greater return on this project than if I do it like, piece by piece and I'm getting interrupted and all these, you know, uh, things are happening. But this second R is really, really hard, right? But this is where you've really got to check your ego and be like, I'm pretty good at this, but they could be better if I, if I put the time into them. And maybe my time is, you know, better spent equipping them and training them rather than just doing this project myself. Would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll just, and I'll, as soon as they get there, but I, I'm just going to use the schedule as an example. Like sometimes we have expectations, maybe we inherited it with the job. We assume that we're just supposed to do it. Um, I was in my position for a lot of years and we actually got a new superintendent and this is the type, this is the person that's supposed to do this. But if there's one thing in my, they talk about disc profile, I'm an IDS. There's no C anywhere in my profile. So details and make those small things are just, it just takes more energy for me. Well, my superintendent said, I love that. And he said, you want me to do that for you? Like, I would love to do the schedule. I'm like, are you serious? He's been doing the, last, the schedule for the last six years because he loves it. He it excites him. And it was the only thing I really didn't like about my job. And so my superintendent does the schedule for the seven through 12. I mean, I still set the offerings, but he makes the schedule work and we're both happier for it. You know, yeah, yeah, I inherited that job. So I just assumed I had to do it. And until we had that conversation, he's working in a strength area. I'm not. And we're both happier. Yeah. But you just nailed like 80% of the problem in education is that my job description dictates all these things I'm responsible for. And let's be honest, I suck at half of them, right? I'm not, I'm not very good at these. So yeah. that's why, that's why you need to go find those people and be okay with, Hey, 
you love schedules and you're good at it. So they have to be good at it too. You can't just yeah. can't just say I love doing it and you're not very good. Say, well, show me some <laughs> schedules that you've done in the past, right? You got to you, you know, yeah. you, you know, you need some tangible evidences there. But yeah, I mean, you got some people that love this. Go do it, right? Put set, release people from their weaknesses, set them up in their strength zone, and I'm telling you, you're going to just see multiplication in your organization. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And, and when you, when you get it right, it's like, it's immediate. Like you were so worried about it. You didn't want to ask the question, but you know, two hours later, you know, they've got three revisions and three options to pick from. I'm like, that would have taken me two weeks. You know, you can <laughs> yeah. just, you just tell it that, yeah, well, that, that worked. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that, and then that, you know, brings us what you just shared is, is the third R, right? So the first R is what's required of me. This is what no one only thinks I can and should do for myself. What's the return? What does the organization get the greatest return at when I when I do it, right? And the third one is reward, right? Do what gives you energy, fills your heart and your passion. And I guarantee you, if you could, if you could line up your 80-20 principle, right? If you could line up your Pareto principle with your three R's, you'll never feel like you work a day in your life, right? I mean, it, it's it's just the most, it's just the most rewarding thing. Um that, you know, it just, it just feels good. Cause I'm like, Oh, I don't, I don't really feel like I'm working. And even when occasionally you have to do those junky things, like, you know, like I'm not going to do this for long because I've already taught someone else how to do it. Right. Or I've got someone, you know, coming down the pike or I just use this, you know, model, right. Does this need to be done? Yes or no. Right. And if I'm not sure, I just don't even do it. And I don't worry about it. I mean, someone will tell me in like, you know, two weeks, because I'll either get a nasty grant from the state, right? Or the dog will come with their bowl and be like, hey, you know, somebody feed me. Oh, yeah, someone's got to feed the dog. And then the second one is, does this need to be done by me? And this is where I can start to, okay, yes, for now, but in 10 days, right? Or 30 days, whatever it is, I can teach someone else how to do this. And you just write that person's name out. Who can I delegate the task to or begin training to complete them over the next 30 days? Just every day. Does this have to be done? Does it have to be done by me? Who can I delegate the task to to begin training for someone else to do it? I mean, it, 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 it's simple in words, Brett, right? But it, it's, it's, not, it's not simple to actually carry out. But uh, it's, it's, it's how I try to do it. And as many days that I fail at it and I say, you should not be doing this. And it's really funny because I'll say that out loud and the people will look at me and I'm like, I, I have to say it out loud to affirm that I know that this is not the best use of my time. Go ahead, Rachel, hop in there. I see you. Come on. She's getting there. I lost my mute button. I, don't, I couldn't unmute. No, I was just going to say, I don't know if Carrie feels this way, but um, how do you have people, so many people to, to give things to? How? Yeah. <laughs> I, I know all the things that I'm not very good at and I'm ready to delegate. Right. Like I'm ready to delegate. But when I think of our team, because we're so small right now, do you delegate to your teachers? Like, do you delegate some of those things to teachers? Do you keep yeah. it in your, how do you? Yeah. Like, so, yep. No, I love that question. And I, you know, I want everybody to answer this one. So, the, well, the first thing I do is I work to find out what do they love to do, um, right? What, what fills their heart? I start with that third R. What do they really care about? And what are they, what, what really gets them jazzed up, you know? And as much as possible, you know, when you've got people on your school improvement team, when you're spending more time with them and asking them questions, well, you know, where do you see yourself in three years? It's your job yeah. as a leader to make that a reality, you know? So that that's where you can say, Hey, look, there's a task that I do. Um, I think you'd be great at it because you love spreadsheets, right? Or you love to, to uh, uh, research, whatever. And so, you know, I would love for you to take it. Right. And so the important part of this is if it's someone who's already got a lot of stuff on their plate, like you got to teach them that, you know, process say, Hey, I got a task for you that you're going to be great at, but I need you to take something off your plate too. Because what yeah. we do is we overburden our uh, backbones. Right. And, and so I, Todd, Todd Whitaker, um, 
I can't remember which of his books it was, but he had this great initiative. He said, look, you got to go to your top people before every staff meeting and say, hey, look, I'm going to put a couple of things out there. Please do not volunteer for any of them. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. I've got I've got really important tasks for you. I got something really big for you that I want to talk to you privately, right? Uh, because otherwise they'll just say yes to everything. And then they end up doing it all. So I think you, you know, you have to protect them, Rachel. You have to get to know them, right? And it and you have to be okay. One time someone said to me, like, hey, you know, Tom Miller, who the hell are you to take away the right of someone to serve you? I was like, what do you mean? Like you by not delegating, right? You by not allowing them to take that is that's why they're here. They're here on your team to help us achieve the goal. And here you are not letting them do that. And I was like, oh, I never thought about that way. I thought I didn't want to overburden them. And he's like, that's why they're here to learn by you not giving it to them. It makes them feel like you don't trust them. Mm -hmm. It's a, it was a total different way to look at it. And, yeah. you know, and, and yeah, and I, I fight that a lot, Rachel. I mean, still, and then I just, sometimes I'll just tell my team, look, I don't want to be the bottleneck. I don't want to know anything about this. Someone's got to do it because if I get involved, I'm going to take it over and do the work. And that's just not, good. yeah. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm, that does. Yeah. And I would add, I agree with that a hundred percent. And I, and in my some of the experience in business, I think good business partnerships, you, you start the relationship with an exit strategy. So they know that it's, you know, things are for a season or I think in education too, people feel like if I say yes to this, it's going to be my job forever. And so I'd also kind of preempt that like, Hey, you know what, if, if it doesn't work out or if it's not for you, then we can revisit that. Like it's not a take it over and going to have it for 10 years, you know, so that they know that you're, you know, it can, People have different strengths once you know that, but they if they know that they could after a certain amount of time, we could look for someone else too. And depending on what you're delegating, it's easier for them to say yes too if they know they're not, it's not a lifetime appointment to whatever you're asking them to do. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, and I know Rachel, you've, you've uh, taken our DISC uh, profile, right? I have. Yeah. So on page 17, of our disc profile, this is, you know, it's got that strengths page, right? So mm -hmm. back to, you know, uh, back to Brett's point, he's like, God, I was working out of my strength zone. It was awful, right? So, I mean, when you know what you're good at, so here's my three creativity, uh, directing and influence, like this is where I should be spending 80% of my day in these three areas. Now I'm, I'm, you know, close to the line here in these others, you know, so I'm not, you know, terrible at them. Uh, but, you know, like Lauren and Emily on our team, like they're really high here in like relationships and, um, and uh, processing and uh, details. So, so that's, that's, that's the work that they do. And they love doing it. Like you give Lauren a, you know, spreadsheet, like she'll spend hours, like you give her data. So I have to like, like cap her. I'm like, don't spend more than an hour on this. Right. Because she'll get really deep into the weeds about it. Just like I get deep into the weeds of creativity when I don't always need to be, you know? So, so knowing your strengths so take a look at that page and say, Hey, this is what I'm good at. And anything that's outside of your strength zone, that's on your like have to do list. Like those are the things that you can start to um, you know, delegate and empower other people. And it doesn't mean that you're still not responsible for it. it just means like, you're not required to do all the work. Like you can say, Hey, you do this part. I'll do that part. Right. Or if you can get it to here, that'll be great. Mm -hmm. Is that helpful? Yes. Thank yeah, you. Good. And so the other piece, this wasn't in John's, you know, chapter, but I just happened to have it in this, uh, you know, PowerPoint. But if you think about Covey's quadrants, if you know, you know, Covey's quadrants here, um, what, you know, this is what we want to get to, right? We want to get to spending 80% of our day in the not urgent, but important work. And that's developing people, that's being strategic, that's, um, you know, you know, growing, you know, the organization, you know, or growing yourself, right? But what, what ends up happening is we spend really 70% of our day in the urgent, important stuff, like all the fires that are happening. Uh, then we spend, you know, 15% of our day in the not important, but urgent stuff, right? That's some, you know, parent who, 
you know, thinks that they they know more about you or I, I mean, whatever the situation is, right? I got a I got a parent now who's all you know fired up about the uniform policy and just you know taking up time that's not important. It's just not important. Uh, and then we only spend a very short amount of time in really where we want to, right? But we just want to work to flip that. And so every day you got to fight your way out of these. So what did I do today that I can't do tomorrow? Like, what are some things I got to start peeling away and I'm just not going to do them anymore? Um, it's just another way to look at John's 80-20 principle, just, just using the cubby quadrants. Cubby quadrants, I think FDR made, I mean, there's lots of people I think that have been given uh, credit for those for those four boxes. But either way, most important thing is to know what are my three R's, right? What am I most responsible for? Or I'm sorry, what am I required to do? What's the greatest return? What's the what's the reward, right? <clears throat> and then and then if you if I was going to make a to do list of ten things, what's what's really the most important too? And um, I don't think I have the book above me. I think it's at my the school, but. Eat, eat the frog is a great book that just you know you know kind of helps you understand like do the most do the hardest thing first atomic mm -hmm. habits is another great but i mean they're all great right and brett ready for this like i think you've heard this before the biggest gap in life is the gap between what we know and what we do right so we all know what's the most important thing i should be doing right when i ask when i ask principals What's the what's the one way, the one, the most important strategy that you could do on a daily basis to improve the teaching practices and academics at your school? Like, oh, get in the classrooms and give teachers feedback. I said, I agree. How much time do you spend doing it? Why is that not on your calendar first? You know? So whatever your your work is, that's gotta be on your calendar. Brett, you had talked about that. So, so what are some ways, Brett? Like, what are some good ways that you think we could start to uh, really just set our calendar in a better place, right? Now, not the master calendar or the schedule, because you said you're not. That's not your warehouse, right? But, but your, but your personal time. What are, what are some ways that you know we can get some good action steps out of you? Well, I've tried to, I guess, two for one things. Like, if, I, if I'm going to be fixing a computer, I, like I used to avoid when when teachers were in there. Now I go in there when they are. So if I'm going to spend a half hour with a computer, I'm going to do it when it's a full classroom. And if I can, if it's not going to stop the classroom, but then you can, you get, it's not a formal observation, but you can be in there and, and you can, you get it, like I said, to get a pulse for what's going on and, and just to be in the, in the building and kind of doing both things. If, if, if we can at all do that. So I think there's times where you can get kind of two things accomplished with, with one initiative or one with one calendar item. And I think that's one thing that's helped. Um, and then like I said, for me, and again, I'm IDS, like pe people are always gonna be first. And so for me, I have to intentionally, is there anything in that C category that that I need to intentionally, because the, the people stuff's gonna be naturally where I'm gonna automatically gravitate towards too. But just to be aware of that, that weaker area that I'm getting what needs to be done. I don't necessarily need to live there, but there are a few things that I need to, uh, intentionally account for um in in that day but i think just trying to maximize that time and um be present like you said in those classrooms any way i can and sometimes that's doing something different and then honestly sometimes it's not um it's less you know they don't really think about me being in there because i'm in there fixing their computer but you can really get some honest feedback and student behaviors or whatever it is so yeah there's more than one way to do it yeah and when Brett says he's IDS, right? It doesn't it doesn't mean he has some sort of uh, you know you know you know bias or something, right? He's a, he's a, he's a, he's an I first, right? So on a disc profile, you're you're a high I, which is an influencer with a DS uh, blend with it, right? And your C style, the cautious style, the compliance style is your lowest on the. So I'm a CDI, so I'm on the other I'm on the other side of that. So so you're very so you're very people oriented, right? So probably one thing that you have have to be conscious of is how much time you're actually spending in like a social piece too, right? Because that, right. that, that, that too can create, you know, an issue. It just, you know, it takes you away from maybe your most important work. And next thing you know, like, oh shoot, I only got seven minutes left, right? To do this task. You know, I came in right. here, um, right? So from my side, I'm the opposite. I'm a C first, so I'm task oriented. I'm here, what do you need me to do? Yep. I mean, I'm social, but I'm, but I'm business first, right? And so right. I have to be conscious of, okay, when I come in, hey, instead of saying, uh, you know, do we have to say, 
How's everybody doing? How are we feeling today? Anything I could do for anybody? Does anybody happen to have, right? It has to be my third or fourth thing instead. But other, you know, sometimes I just come right in at it and I go, oh, Tom, you jerk. Like you. <laughs> yeah, super important, right? Because, you know, you know, the people are our work, right? So that that yep. 80%, that big uh, return piece, you know, people have to be in there, uh, you know, no, no matter what you're doing. Right. And because again, going back to, and this is not necessarily tied to the priorities, but it's not enough to be right if people have to think you're right. Um, and so we're both, both those things are important and you can't exclude, exclude either one. So yeah. for sure. I love it. So my uh, challenge to everybody, uh, and so I want, you know, uh, Brett to tell us how uh, we can get a hold of him if, you know, if, if, you know, we're looking for some training and services that he does, because he's, a, he's a great Maxwell expert too out there and he can really help you and your school and your organization, but it's to really think about what's, what's my 20%, like, like what are the one or two things that I should be doing every single day that's going to give the organization a greater return, right? Like what, what are the one or two things? And then who are the one or two people that I need to be spending more time with so I can start to uh, help them grow because somebody helped you grow. You wouldn't be on this call, right? You wouldn't be in the position you were if someone didn't let you stand on their shoulders, right? So who, so who are the people that I need to start letting get on my shoulders to really build them up and, and to lighten the load in a sense? Um, and I would highly recommend if you haven't, go back and reread the law of empowerment. That's what, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of the, uh, you know, a lot of the, the ways to delegate and empower people, obviously, right, is in that, you know, chapter. And I think that was, that's maybe law number 11 or 10. I can't remember off the top of my head, but make sure that you, that you go back and take a look at, okay, now, now I found out who I need to I, um, empower. Now, how the heck do I do it? Uh, and another great book, maybe one of my favorite is Developing the Leaders Around You. And we did a book study on those too. So if you're listening to our podcast, you, you should be able to go back and, and find some of those episodes. It's probably my favorite book uh, to help, uh, you know, develop other leaders, uh, developing the leaders around you. What a, what a very straight uh, forward title, right there, right, uh, Brett? Absolutely. <laughs> so cool. So Brett, you know, so you're in, you're in Minnesota, but I think you travel everywhere. So tell us how, how, how we can learn more about you. Where can we go to learn, learn, learn more about you and, and about the services you have provide? Yeah, absolutely. Just reach out to me. Um, I do have a website, Brett, uh, Brett-Clark, C-L-A-R-K-E at dot uh, com and Brett E. Clark on Facebook um, and, and just connect. And, and that really, I guess, what it's all about. And to have enough people that are out to prop us up and support us and help us build influence and be successful in our day to day. And um, and, and just to piggyback, going back to what, what Tom just said, I think educators have a couple weaknesses. And one is giving things up, this 80-20 thing not only what the 20% is, but to allow us to push some things off our plate. Um, and then the other thing is, uh, I think educators have an abundance of humility and to not always accept that we are gifted and are talented and you do have these strengths in the 20%. Uh, give, your per give yourself permission to be great in those areas and to step into that greatness. Cause I don't, I don't know you well, but I, but I know you have them um, because I've never met an educator that didn't. Um, when you have a heart of an educator, it's just, it comes with. You know, it's yeah. just there. So to, to, to check the humility and humility is great, but don't forget to accept those gifts and be able to share those things uh, too. So again, I appreciate Tom for having me on here. It's just been fun to, to do that. And anybody listens to it on the, re the recording of the podcast, um, I hope to connect with you somewhere down the road. Yeah, I'll make sure that, that that your links are in the show notes and your email address. And I love what you just said about humility. I, I think one of the most important things I ever realize about this word was you know humility isn't thinking uh, less of yourself right it's just think of yourself less and and just really be out there like how can i add value to other people because that that is our job i mean our our job is to is to you know get greater results through the impact of of the people around you and you can't do that when you're hunkered down into all this like administrivia stuff that we tend to spend a lot of time. And so I think what I'm most excited about, I'm so glad because this is really, you know, you know, Brett and I had spent some time on the phone before, but he's got me really thinking everybody like he's a very 
fun guy. He's got he's got good charisma, right, through the virtual Zoom. And I'm thinking a lot of our tech people in the world need to meet Brett because I've met a lot of tech people and they're not usually very friendly, right? They're just very <laughs> kind of black and white. So if you've got a tech team that's looking for someone who's going to help them be a little bit more personable, I I think you got to look for Brett Clark. So go to Brett two T's, brett-clark.com, and it's Clark with an E. Make yep. sure you go there, and uh, and uh, and uh, you can check out his his Maxwell Leadership Certification pages and learn 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 more about him. Brett, thank you for spending some time away from from your family to be part of my family, and uh, and we're just really really happy for you. And I, we're all back next week, everybody. So we got two more weeks of this study. Now you got to hunker down. Now we got we got we got we got four more laws to go, and uh, I can't wait to get. Uh, to the law of uh, legacy, because that's what it's all about. So everybody come on back and keep on joining us every every Thursday at 7 Eastern. And congratulations again to Carrie and your school for their state championship. And uh, I uh, please, you know, send me links and celebrations. I'm going to I'm going to uh, I would love to be able to shout them out uh, for what because that's a lot of work. That's a lot of time and energy on the right things to to make a championship happen. So congratulations to you and your school. Shout it out, Carrie. Come on, unmute un uh, yourself and tell everybody. <laughs> yeah, we did great. I was a little crazy out there on the field before when I when I left screaming and- Yeah, what's the name of the school, Carrie? Tell everybody. Uh, well, Mission Viejo Christian School. So, Mission Viejo yeah, Christian. Mission Viejo, they've worked really hard and they were, yeah, big rivalry that was going on. And they, they the other coach had asked us to bring the trophies because they'll be you know going home with the trophies today. We're like, Okay. They they were humble and, and they just, they showed up and they did it. It was good. That's right. That's right. Awesome. I love it. I love it. And here's the thing, right? You know, champions aren't, you know, a crowned in the ring, right? It's all the other work that they did. It's prioritizing. It's, you know, taking advantage of momentum, right? When they get it. And I'm, I guarantee if we were at that game today, we would have seen some momentum swings. So congratulations, Mr. Viejo. And uh, and congratulations to you, Carrie, for uh, being such a great leader and Rachel being with us and Brett and everybody who's listening on the yep, recording. Thanks. All right. Good night, everybody. Have a good one. Bye bye. All See right, you next good week. Night. Thanks.